0: have a little, like, so I, I don't think I have, like, actual diagnosable ADD, but my, like, my brain just kind of moves around a lot, and last night, I had this thought that I couldn't get out of my head as I was trying to focus on my sermon, and this morning, I just felt like God was like, no, I actually want you to share this before the sermon, so this has nothing to do with the sermon itself. This is like your, like, your pre-sermon sermonette, and actually, Andre, can you unmute this piano really quick? I'd like to play you a song I wrote. No, just kidding. <laughs> That'd be terrible. All right, do I have any volume here? Okay. Uh, so it's, this is a little like music nerdy a little bit, but I, this is what I feel like the the Lord wants to say to someone here or a couple people here. Music at its core, like I'm making a, a pretty like nice chord right now, and I can play this chord all day, and I can play it in a ton of octaves, and it doesn't. It's pretty, but it's not really like that interesting. And then I can switch to another chord that also is like just a pretty major chord and it's fine. But what makes music interesting is when there's tension. But you can't just have tension. If you just have tension, it's just tension and it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. It has to land. Um and I feel like what I I was going to make a sermon like for six months down the line or whatever in our next series about this idea, but I just feel like the Lord was like, no, I want you to share this this morning before your sermon, is your life, you feel like, oh, that, I messed my life up. This is what my life feels like. It feels like this tension-filled C minor six chord, uh, <laughs> you know, like you always talk to God about, but <laughs> my life is a C minor six chord, uh, and you're like, where did I go wrong? What Like, am I disobeying God? And God's like, no, there's just tension because there has to be release. And before you can have release, you have to have tension. Does that make sense? I didn't like talk over your head. This is, I'm a nerd and everything I do is nerd, so I'm music nerd as well. But I just, that's like bonus. So hopefully that was for somebody. Your life is, is filled with tension, but it's, it's not necessarily not God just because it has tension in it. Now onto the real sermon. I feel like I didn't like. All right, we're here, new sermon. Um, <laughs> welcome to our summer series, which uh, Johanna didn't actually use PowerPoint last week, so you have no idea that we were doing a series, but we are. Um, and this is the slide that Justine made, and I love it. Um, it uh, talks about Ephesians 3, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, and your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And so you have this picture of this tree where it's beautiful, and usually like, you don't see the whole tree. You only see the top half, but, like, the bottom, you can see the root structure, and uh, it's amazing. Anyway, uh, how's your guys' summer been going? That was a, that was a lukewarm response. Some of you are like, am I allowed to talk? Yeah. <laughs> Summer's been good? Awesome. Awesome. If, if There's no one that's going to be like, summer sucked, <laughs> like, out loud. You'll tell me afterwards. <laughs> So summer for me has been a really interesting experience. As most people know, I was on staff at Lake Sam, and now I'm not. Um, so we're just walking in that transition, feeling that experience. Um, and this transition happened in my life at, a, at an interesting time. Um, uh, two years ago, I planned on doing this week-long acapella contest um, in Salt Lake City, and so I had that on the calendar. I was planning on doing it. I had it marked off at Lake Sam as like vacation time, uh, and then I got the call that was like, hey, by the way, you're, you no longer uh, have a job. Kurt didn't say it like that, but that's, the conclusion was, you no longer have a job. And that was, I was in Salt Lake, like, experiencing my, my week of this acapella co- contest. Um, and then the very next week was to and I's anniversary, and we had planned, again, like in January, that we were going to spend a week together. So we spent a week uh, doing that. Um, and then I, uh, like, you may have noticed, like, the lights here are now, like, better than they were, hopefully you've noticed. Uh, this was my project, and now that I'm not on staff, I actually spent more time in this room not on staff than I did when I was on staff, because um, most of my job was to be out of the building <laughs> um, at the time. So, I, like, I, I've spent all this, this time doing all these things. Um, I started uh, writing songs again and getting back into recording music, which has been really fun. Um, I sort of, like, have my, like, YouTube channel and, and I'm just, like, putting stuff on there and it's it's a lot of fun, some original stuff, some covers. And I uh, I started getting into this old video game I used to play, StarCraft two It's, like, from 2011 and uh, I just started getting back into it. It's, like, a super competitive game and I got into it again. And, You're thinking probably one of two things. If you're familiar with Enneagram, you're like, oh, Kevin's an Enneagram 7, so he's avoiding pain, avoiding dealing with his problems, he's running away from things, he's looking forward, he's trying to avoid the difficult situation by being distracted. And if you're thinking that, that is correct. (laughs) That is exactly what I'm doing. Uh, If you're not thinking that, you're probably thinking, now, wait a minute. If you don't have a job, your primary focus ought to be looking for a new job, right? And I totally get that, and I, that's where I live too. <laughs> like, I'm like, I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, what am I gonna do today? I should probably find a new thing to do, because, you know, I need a job. I need to make money to provide for my family, all of those things that are true and, we, and I, I need to do. And so what am I doing playing competitive StarCraft? Like, what a waste of time. Why are you picking up your guitar and recording music to YouTube. That seems like a huge waste of time. You should be, like, if, if you're full-time, if you don't have a full-time job, your full-time job should be getting a full-time job. I think, like, Dr. Phil said that or something, but, but that, like, stuck with me. <laughs> and so that's in my head, uh, and I know that that's, that is true. And uh, someone, I was uh, hanging out with a group of friends the other day, and yesterday, and one of my friends was like, well, wait a minute. You started a voiceover business a few years ago. How's that going? And I had to like, every time people bring that up now, I have to kinda like hang my head in shame a little bit Um, because when I started uh, doing voiceover and I had agents and um, I had my demo and I was uh, getting out and I was doing auditions and and I was getting some work. I did uh, a commercial for Microsoft, I did a commercial for Intel, like I did a couple like big uh, deal voiceover gigs and every time I would, I would ask the Lord, like, hey, can you just bless my voiceover business? Because I'm dependent on you blessing it. He'd say, no. And I'd be like, why not? He's like, because I, I told you not to do it. And you did it anyway. So I'm not, no, I'm not going to bless it. Stop wasting your time on that and do what I've called you to do. And so I haven't, done, I haven't touched voiceover in over a year. Um, I still have voiceover agents And I still occasionally get sent things to do, like people still send me auditions to work. in fact, I just got this audition on Thursday that I I opened the email and I was like, hmm, maybe. I don't think I'm allowed to say who it's for because I think there's an NDA on it. But I looked at the pay and it was like, like you get paid, in voiceover you get paid to record and then you also get paid just because they're using your voice. So you get paid like a usage fee. And I get paid $700 just to record. And it's like one, one line, and I get $5,000 for them to use my voice. And so I was sitting there going like, I mean, I know God told me no, but $5,000 is $5,000, right? <laughs> like, come on. And I actually, like, the audition ended on Friday, so I can't, that's no longer an option for me now. But, uh, it, like, I just, I know I need a, a, to figure this out, and I can't do voiceover because God keeps telling me No. But I want to, I'd love to, but I just just can't do that. And so I find myself in this strange situation. Like, I know I live in North Bend. The Safeway's hiring. I know that. I've looked it up. I could get a job there. I've worked in that industry before. There's a coffee shop opening up that's hiring. I could do that. There's so many things that I could do. And yet, when I ask the Lord, which of these should I pursue? He's like, don't, none of them. Don't do that. And so I'm in this weird situation that I've never been in before, where usually when I, you finish a job, I have another thing lined up, and if I don't, I at least have like a plan. And I have nothing right now. I don't know what I'm going to get like, people are like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Like, <laughs> I have a friend, like my best friend, we hang out all the time, and he was, he was trying to be loving, but he actually kind of hurt me with this. He said, you know, I just heard the study that millennials... There's, they're identifying there's two different kinds of millennials. One, kind of like by the time they're in their mid-30s, they've figured life out. They're on a career path. They're on a trajectory. They know where they're going. And the other, ha- the other half of millennials are like still trying to figure it out in their 30s, and they just haven't landed yet. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I know that because you know, when I worked for the church, I did some research on this, and oh, you're talking about me. <laughs> I'm the millennial that hasn't landed yet. <laughs> well, shoot. <laughs> And so as I share all this to say, I, uh, I don't, I've, I'm in this new situation, never been here, there's no book for this moment, there's no, like, scripture that's like, when you find yourself without a job and you can't do a voiceover business, Paul says to do this. Like, that's just not in there. <laughs> It'd be so great if it would, but it's not. And so I'm, I find myself in new ground and I don't know how to progress and I just wonder if other people here are experiencing something like that where you're like, maybe it's not exactly the same, maybe it's not with job, maybe it's with family, maybe it's with uh, another relationship, maybe it's just life stage, but you're like, okay God, I've been walking with you for some time now, I I knew how to handle that situation, you walked me through that situation, but I'm coming up ahead and I don't know how to progress here. Like I don't know how to move forward and I'm in a new situation, and the old rules, I don't know if they apply anymore. So what do I do? So uh, that's where we're headed, is because I think God has a, a really good answer for us. Um, and for me, he showed me this sermon. He gave it to me actually before Johanna spoke last week, and I was like, God, you're amazing, that's amazing. And then when Johanna spoke, I went, oh. She, this, her sermon is the perfect prequel to this. So if you are here last week, your heart is already ready and and your heart is already open. So I uh, asked, Savannah asked, who do you wanna pray for the sermon? And I said, I need someone who prays with, like, fervently with belief, who believes in in healing. And uh, so we always, when we pray for the sermon, we always ask you, like, pray for the sermon and also lift up another church. Um, And I wanna kinda do a little change. Um, We have Jenny Y praying, which is perfect. Um, My friends at Light to the World are here, like hey guys, <laughs> good to see you. Um, and their lights of the World is a Russian-speaking church that meets here. Um, they'll be here after we leave, and they use the building all throughout the week. Um, and one of the like pillars in their church, Valentina, um, she was just diagnosed with uh, cancer, uh, and, and it's pretty serious. Um, and so they they're just praying their faces off, asking God to heal. And I was like, are, there, this is my people, <laughs> right? Like. We are all one church. This is our people. Your pillar is my pillar. When you suffer, I suffer. And when when God heals you, God heals me. And so I just, instead of lifting up another church, if you want to, you still can. That's fine. But could you uh, pray for us? But could you also lift up our sister, Valentina?
1: Lord, I thank you for this day. And I thank you that... um, You have a word for Kevin to give today. Lord, we pray your anointing on him. Lord, that you would speak through him, that you would lead and guide him. And Lord, um, and we just pray for healing. Mm, We pray for healing for like Sam. We pray for healing for um, any obstacle in in any of our ways. Mm -hmm. And Lord, we believe that um, you hear us. And you want to, um, you your heart is to always heal. But Lord, if there's obstacles in the way, we just pray that you would remove them. And we lift up our sister, Valentina. Mm, Lord, you. that you would touch her. You would remove that cancer in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, thank that you, you Lord. would touch her in a way that's amazing, that mm. shocks the doctors. Yes, thank you, Lord. That is such a glory to you for your throne for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, um, we just give you all the praise and the glory and the thanks in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm.
0: Amen. Amen. That's perfect. That is in my that's exactly what's in my heart. I love it when God heals through doctors, and it's t- I'm totally fine when God heals through chemotherapy, but there's just something for Valentina. I was specifically I was going, God, I, I feel like I want to pray that you would be that you would heal her completely that the doctors are going to be like Cancer? What cancer? <laughs> like, that's just, so that was, that was perfect. Thank you. So in light of all that and in light of my story, this is what Jesus uh, tells us. And it's interesting. So there's four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all um, four accounts of the same story. And they are creating a narrative that is intentional, and so you'll notice certain themes in the different Gospels. Um, like, uh, Luke is a doctor, and he kind of has this, like, matter of fact, just the facts, sir. Like, that's all he, he's concerned about. This happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Like, the Gospel of John, like, John cares about, like, love and the supernatural and, and the miraculous, and, and so, like, the, when you read the Gospel of John, it reads differently than Luke. It's the same story, and, we, and they're all true. Um, they just use different parts of the story differently. Um, and there's a story in Matthew that is this popular um, sermon that Jesus preaches called the Sermon on the Mount. And um, he, it's Jesus, uh, this sermon gets recorded in in I think three of the four Gospels and um, it's just Jesus pouring his heart out and saying, here's what it means to be blessed. Uh, You've heard it said this, but I tell you this. And he's just like speaking truth into the lives of the people that are listening. Um, And about halfway through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he says this. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So why do you have so little faith? Don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live rightly, and he will give you everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So there's two ways you can read this, right? There's the like, you should stop worrying, you suck. (laughs) Which, if you read that into Jesus' words, most of the time you're missing it. Because instead, this is this beautiful invitation for Jesus to say, man, you're so concerned about things. And I just want you to know, you don't have to be. Like, I wake up these days, and I feel like there's this, like, weight on my chest, and I feel like I have to pick it up and hold it over my head, and there's this, like, weight of life of what's the future going to hold? What are we going to do? How am I going to make a living? How are we going to eat? How are we going to pay for our mortgage? How how are my needs met? How's my relationship going to be with Johanna? How's my relationship with my friends going to be? And uh, there's just so many things you could worry about over and over and over, And God, Jesus here is like, look at those dumb birds. They're just stupid birds. This is my paraphrase. Jesus probably cares about birds more than I do. But (laughs) it's like, they don't like work. They don't strive for things. They don't have hopes and dreams. Like that bird didn't go to college. Like, (laughs) you know, like that bird didn't receive me at Lake Sam one Sunday. Like, it's just a bird. And yet, I take care of that bird. I provide food. He's like, look, you see these like, like flowers on the ground? They don't strive. They don't work. They just are. They just exist. And Solomon, who is the richest king that ever was a king of Israel, had the most amount of wealth, had the nicest stuff, built a temple out of gold, had everything. Solomon, in his prime, was not dressed nearly as beautifully as majestically as these flowers. See, you think you have to do all of this stuff, but I'm here to t- say you don't. I'm gonna take care of you. I was interacting with this verse, and one of my thoughts was, at the time before this verse hit me, was I'm in my mid-30s, which for anyone younger than me is like, you're so old, and for everyone older than me, he's like, he's just a baby. <laughs> uh, and everyone that's my age is like, he's 33, geez, he just doesn't look so good. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I don't know how good I look for my age, but th- that's not, not important. Um, so I'm in my 30s, and, y- you know, you, you, I see people in their 20s that have life seemingly figured out, pick any career path that I would possibly be interested in. There are 20-year-olds that are further along it than me. And I'm in this situation where I have a biblical studies degree, which is good for exactly one career, <laughs> and it would be pastoring. And to do that, I either have to leave here, which I have no intention of doing. Really, that's my only choice. <laughs> if, I, if I wanna continue using my degree for uh, vocationally, I have to leave. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like God's asking me to do that, and I don't have any desire to do that. So I just feel like it's too late. I've passed my prime. Is it too late to start something new? God, can you even do anything with this? Like, there. I'm 10 years too late. And what God reminded me of and I'm going to use this phrase and it might like hit you hit you kind of funny is God's economy is not very efficient. Like in the in the US we care a lot about productivity. And efficiency and maximizing, like we use those like businessy words, and and I have no problem with efficiency. I have no problem with productivity. Maximizing is a strength in Strength Finders, and it's wonderful. Uh, but we're we like obsessed with it, like. And I'm the kind of person that's like, I found out that if I turn left at this light instead of going straight, it's the same distance, but it saves me 35 seconds, like like that kind of thing. Or like, you're with me on, on that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like, we're obsessed with, like, proficiency and productivity and things like that. And you look at God, and you look at uh, his economy, and how he treats things like time, and how he treats things like resources. Uh, look at David. If you don't know the story of David, uh, go read the, the book of First Samuel in the Old Testament. Um, David is, like, the most important character in the Old Testament. Like, people compare Jesus to David, and it's, it's a good comparison. Like, he is... The guy. He's God's guy. He's a man after God's own heart. He's, he's amazing. David was anointed king when he was a teenager. Probably like 13, 14. God anointed him king. 20 years later, is it 20? 10 to 20 years later. We don't know exactly how much time, but probably 20-ish years later is when he actually became king. And before he was king, he had to serve the king And King Saul was the king before him, and he was mad. Like, literally, he was crazy. He would throw spears at David, trying to kill him. And so uh, there's this, like, this time lapse, right? Like, David gets anointed king. Here's your calling. I got it. 20 years later, he actually gets to step into it. Or even Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus, uh, he, uh, what does he do the first 30 years of his life? Eh, chilling. Like, he's just hanging out. Like, he's not... Doing anything. Like, he's got this side hustle as a carpenter, I guess. Like, you're the king of kings and lord of lords. You're the creator. You are God. What a waste of time. You're, th- you're 30 and you haven't done anything yet? What's wrong with you? You're Jesus. Clearly, he knows something I don't. Or uh, the, uh, this character in the New Testament called Saul... So the Jesus dies and rises again, and he builds his church on a bunch of fishermen, a bunch of uneducated fishermen, and he's does that on purpose to say, anyone can be a follower of Jesus. I'm building my church on these guys, but there comes a point where the the, uh, the church of Jesus needs a little more theology, needs a little more foundation. And so God comes to this guy named Saul, who is a Pharisee, who is a teacher of the law, knew the law really well, and he has an encounter with with God, transforms his life. You know him as Paul, and he he ends up writing all of these letters that make up the majority of the New Testament. So when Saul has this conversion experience, this face-to-face with Jesus, you go, perfect, perfect. While it's fresh in your mind, go. <laughs> like, start starting your ministry. We need you. We desperately need some foundational theology. We desperately need you to, like, help us understand why all of this, th- this stuff matters and is important. But instead, uh, he, gets, he has this uh, encounter with Jesus. He gets saved, and then he goes to a city called Damascus. And he just hangs out there for an indeterminate amount of time. Scholars don't know. They think it's at least uh, five years and at most 13 years. Can you imagine a a discipleship plan where we're like, hey, you you come to know Jesus for the first time, congratulations, sit in your house for 10-ish years, then you'll be ready. It's just not efficient. It's just not productive. It's just not the way, like if you were a business, you wouldn't hire God to, to run your company. Like, you were here for 30 years and you did nothing. So clearly, God and I don't see eye to eye on this. And one of us is right and the other one's wrong. And here I am without a job. (laughs) So maybe you shouldn't listen to me anyway. (laughs) And it's funny, I'm gonna use a a metaphor that I'm gonna lose about half the room and I already know that I'm going to. And so I wanna ask you to trust me on this. I, I told you, I started getting back into competitive StarCraft. And God actually spoke to me through the game. And so I want to share that with you. I know. I see you like, some of, the, some of the men are already like,
1: oh,
0: all right, let's see what he's got. I just want to ask you to keep an open mind because I know it's video games. I know it's stupid. I know it's a waste of time. I know I should be like full-time looking for employment, but just come with me on this because God actually spoke to me through a video game. If he could speak through a donkey in the Old Testament, he could speak through a video game, right? okay. So I've been playing this game called StarCraft II. It's a strategy game, which, if you imagine, like, you're playing chess, but you don't have to wait for the other person to move. You just get to move a piece every five seconds or so. Like, that's sort of the idea. It's a strategy, it's big picture stuff, and the game is sort of like two parts of it. Uh, and you're, you are building, you know, like, a base, and you're creating, like, workers that are, like, generating resources for you, and you're creating an army that you go to fight the other player. Actually, uh, this game is, was so popular in 2011. It was the first sport or the first uh, game that became a professional-like sport. Esport is what they call it. You can laugh; it's fine. <laughs> We're used to that. Um, and so people like watch people play StarCraft, and people make thousands of dollars playing StarCraft. So this is actually I have a screenshot for you. This is a game in progress. This happened actually last weekend. Um, this is a StarCraft World Championship Series. I know it feels so dumb to, to stand up here and talk about professional StarCraft, but here we are. I don't know how we got here. And so there's two parts of this game we call, one part of the game macro, and that's like the ba- building your base, building more workers, getting more resources, getting tech, and then micro, which is when you, you each of those little guys that you can control and you can choose what you wanna do with them, and so you have uh, this is a game, the, the two character, the two people playing their gamer tags are Ceryl and Stats. So Cyril is the blue player and Stats is the red player. Um, and you can't really see very well, but like right here you can see this like little mini-map. So Cyril's stuff is here, and Stats stuff is here. And you can see, because we're watching it professionally, we can see Cerol has 20 workers and Stats has 46. Cyril has 65 army and his stats is 43. And so you don't have to understand like gamer stuff to know like that number's bigger, that's probably better. Uh, so micro is like some of, like stats guys are making these force fields, and Cyril's trying to like make his guys run around and, and uh, just defeat that guy, and they're like focused on micro. And uh, because stats has 46 workers and Cyril only has 20, when the two armies collide, if they're gonna like destroy each other and they'll have no army left, but because Stats has twice as much workers He can make a bigger army faster. He's, he's essentially twice as productive as Cyril. And so uh, StarCraft players people like me that are just like casual people who just like to have fun Will watch a game of StarCraft like this and be inspired and we'll go play And we'll like hop on and play with other people and then a lot of people will say Okay, I was playing StarCraft, and uh, my opponent made these force fields, and I don't know how to do, like, how do, I, how do I micro this better? How do I solve this problem better? I don't understand. Or I always lose to this unit composition. How do I beat it? And uh, almost always, uh, I, this is from uh, Reddit. It's just a couple things, and I made sure there were no curses on this, so, th- so we're okay. Uh, like, so the first one, you don't have to know anything about this specific game, who cares about what Zerg is, bio, ZVT, you don't need to know any of that. But essentially the question is, here's a specific challenge I'm having, how do I beat this? And the answer is, you have no chance if they just have more stuff. You just can't, it doesn't matter what what, what you have, if they have twice as much of it, you're going to lose. And it's the same, there's this specific, I know what he does, he always does this, uh, how do I counter this? What's a good build I can do? How do I how do I uh, beat this? And in in bronze league, which is the lowest league, he's like just better macro, man. You just gotta build more bases. You just gotta uh, do better. So this is a uh, a screenshot of an actual game, um, and you can see again, you don't have to know anything, but you see the blue player has 200 out of 200, and the red player has 99 out of 100. So the blue player has twice as much stuff. So you can, you can be like, well, wait, that unit counters that unit, and that unit counters that unit, but it doesn't matter because he has twice as much stuff, and when all his stuff gets destroyed, he's going to make more stuff, and it's gonna, it, it, it just doesn't matter if you have more stuff, and so this is where uh, I felt like the Lord met me here in StarCraft is because what's the answer to my, this specific problem is you've got to go back to foundations. You've just got to macro better. If you have more bases, it doesn't matter what they do. It, like, you're getting lost in the minutia of how do I, how do I add this force field here, and how, do I, how does my army interact with this one, and how do I handle this specific thing? You're just getting lost in that. But if you just have more stuff, if you just get the foundational stuff right, then all of, your actual question doesn't, isn't even relevant anymore. And so uh, God is saying, at least to me, <laughs> He's like, you're in this new situation. What do you do? Foundations. Let's go back to the foundation. What do you know to do? Macro better in your life. Like, if you have more resources, you can do more. And that resource is me. So he uh, took me from here to this story. This is later on in the New Testament. Um, Jesus uh, is doing this walk to Jerusalem. Um, He's headed to Jerusalem for Passover. And as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. The Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it and will not be taken away from her. So you're Mary or Martha. You can be either one. You're two single women that are in your house. Thirteen men come over on their way to Jerusalem, 13 travelers, and they've invaded your house. I mean invade. They were welcome. Uh, These are nice men. One of them's a rabbi, And he's teaching there are if you are at all practical if you at all are like a good host you go there needs to be good seating do we clean the house what are we going to do for dinner like that especially if this was a surprise to you this is a big deal (laughs) like oh shoot the king of kings and lord of lords is in my house I better cook him a meal (laughs) right (laughs) like that seems important and so Martha, we like, whenever people tell this story, they always demonize Martha because like, oh, you, you were just, you were doing all these things. But listen to Martha. She's like, I just want to be a good host. Like, is it wrong that I want to want dinner to be good? Is it wrong to expect to give Jesus and his, his disciples a good meal? Like, that seems reasonable, Right? And so she's doing all this productive thing. She's uh, striving really hard. She's in the kitchen baking. She's distracted. Uh, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if she was also like, whoops, left this out. Got to clean that up. Got to hide that. Put that in the closet. Make sure the pets are out of the house. Like, like doing all the housekeeping things to make sure that the experience is good. And especially if you're the kind of person who likes to serve, who doesn't like to be the front and center, but you like to be in the, kind of the background serving, you totally probably resonate with Martha. You're like, I just want it to be a good experience, and I know when I serve, like, there's something about when, like, you've, you've set up all the chairs, or you've, like, done all these behind-the-scenes things, and you see someone who's supposed to be doing something, and they're praying, and you're like, what are you doing? I worked so hard for this, to, so that way we can have this service run smoothly, and you're ruining it. What are you doing? And that's essentially what Martha's doing right now, is I'm just trying so hard to get it right. I'm just working so hard. I'm doing so many things. And then what's Mary doing? Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. And so uh, Martha's like running around. I imagine Martha is like frantic. like she Because again, 13 men just entered her house and she she has to try and entertain them and make them all feel comfortable and, and keep their stomachs full. And so she's like frantically running around doing stuff. And then Mary just like, does this. Hmm. And that's it. And Jesus is teaching, and at one point he steps away or something. Somehow he disconnects from the rest of the group and he connects with Martha. And Martha's like, look at this. Shouldn't someone help me? And if it, shouldn't it be like, the other person who lives here? I don't know, just a crazy thought. Like, wouldn't you be mad if your roommate just decided, peace out, I'm gonna hang out with, with our friends instead of helping? So it's totally reasonable, and you expect Jesus to be like, no, you're, you're right, thank you. Your, your servant heart is noted, I see you, I see what you're doing, Martha. It's so good, I just wanna bless it, I wanna multiply what you're doing. I'm in, I'm here with you. But that's not what he does, He does this weird, to me, it's a strange shift. He's like, you're worried about so many things, but there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it. I'm not going to take it away from her. See, we think that we have to do all of these things in this new situation. And you think, I have to check off all these boxes I have to work so hard. Because God only blesses people who help themselves, right? That's not in the scriptures. <laughs> like, oh, I have, if, if I'm not going to show any effort, then God can't do anything. Like, or uh, the metaphor that we use a lot is like, it's hard for God to move a car when it's still, but when you're, mov- you're in motion, God can move it, or whatever. Like, pick your metaphor. <laughs> There's a hundred of them. <laughs> and it, all of them uh, essentially equate to, you got to work hard, You gotta gotta make your life work. If you don't care about your future, who will? If you don't strive, who will? If you don't put your life in your hands, don't you care about your family? How irresponsible of you. Don't you care about the people around you? What about all the people that uh, are supporting you while you're off doing whatever? Like, you just feel this irresponsibility and this weight. But Jesus here's like, there's only one thing and I want you to do this. Fundamentals, macro, right? What do I do in this new situation I've never been in? The same thing I've been doing that got me here being with Jesus, sitting at his feet, knowing him, talking to him, just enjoying his presence. How do I get out of this terrible situation? The same thing. What do I do when I don't know what to do? The same thing. How do you win a game of StarCraft? The same thing. Fundamentals. It's exactly the same. So uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians, he will, every now and then he'll say, okay, this isn't the Lord talking, this is just me. Which is really frustrating when it's inspired scripture because you're like, well, it's, Inspired by God, so is it God or is it Paul or what is it? But I've noticed something. I I'm going to join the ranks of Paul and say this isn't God necessarily. This is me. This is an observation I've noticed. Um, having mentored people and, and had a lot of conversations with people about relationships, my own my own life, um, being an example. In relationships, there's this trend that I've noticed. And if this isn't you and you have a great relationship, then don't hear judgment from me. I'm not trying to, like, tell you the one way to, to do relationships. But my observation is when, when, you, when people talk about the relationships and you're like, hey, how's that relationship going? And they're like, it's complicated or it's tricky. It's messy. There's a lot to it. It's convoluted. Or you ask a simple question and they give you this, like, convoluted answer. Often, they are not in a healthy place. Like, it's just not in a good place. If you're, if you're like, how's your relationship going? And you're like, sit down, I got a lot to say, you're not gonna hear, it's wonderful, it's just going so good, I wanted you to sit down, because there's so much good stuff to say about this relationship, right? Like, usually if someone's like, the relationship is unhealthy, and uh, again, not always, but when people talk about the relationship with God, I find it's similar. Now, I'm a complicated person, I'm a nerd, as we've talked about. <laughs> Just let there be no confusion. <laughs> nerd. Uh, and I, I interact with everything in this like nerdy, uh, convoluted way. I with music, with video games, and with God. I approach theology in a, it's not simple. It's complicated and it frustrates people because they're, they're like you want someone of like leading worship to be like, God is good. And like it's simple, it's good. And I'm like, you know, God is the manifestation of the invisible God, and like, like I'm like throwing in these like theological concepts because that's just how my relationship, or that's how I interact with the world. But relationships with God, if they're complicated, if you're like, how's how are you, how are you and God doing? You're like, it's uh, it's tricky. It's probably not good. It might be, but. Probably not so good. And between you and God, who do you think is the problem in that relationship? I'm sorry, it's not, it's not God. It's you. It's you. You're the problem. It's me. I'm the problem. If my relationship with God is tricky or complicated, I'm the problem. Because uh, Jesus is asking me to do one thing. Sit at my feet. Be with me. Spend time with me. In another passage, Jesus says, uh, come to me all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So coming to God should be simple, and it should be easy. The relationship to God should look simple and easy and just free. I heard this guy um, talking about his relationship with God, and he used this phrase that I loved and it's a little like, when you hear it, you're like, that sounds terrible. But like, it's, I think it's so cool because it so accurately reflects my like feelings about the situation. He was, he was talking about his devotional life and how does he keep things straight. And he was like, yeah, uh, sometimes people give me a hard time for wasting time on God's stuff. And I was like, that's a perfect way to say it. Wasting time on God's stuff. Because that's how it feels for me. Like, if I have an hour of free time, or oh, I'm unemployed, I have 24 hours of free time, but if I, if I have an hour that I'm gonna devote to something and I'm like, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna practice my guitar with the purpose of improving. Like that feels like a productive, useful use of time. Or if like, we're gonna be on the worship team later, uh, like in Tuesday we have HS ministry and I'm gonna be playing bass, so I should look over the set and like practice the bass. That's an g- efficient use of my time. Uh, Preparing a sermon feels like a very efficient use of time. Otherwise, I'm just going to come up here and just babble, and and you all probably hate it. Um, But if I'm going to take an hour and just, like, sit in his presence, it kind of feels like a waste of time. Like, I feel like, what did I accomplish just now? Like, I didn't, it wasn't useful to me. It, It didn't move me forward. It didn't, it's not serving others. It's just like, Being in his presence. It's hard for me to say that with disdain because I love being in his presence, but you you get what I'm saying. Like when you think of your time, it feels like a waste. And you just feel like I'm wasting time with God's stuff. At least I feel that way. But what I find is when I waste time with God's stuff, my life changes. Like when I waste time on God's stuff and I just sit in his presence and sit in his feet I feel like that weight that's been on my, my chest is lifted. When I waste time on God's stuff, he doesn't always speak to me, but I at least have a shot, which makes me think that maybe he's always speaking to me and I'm just too busy to hear it. I'm too distracted to, to hear his voice. And so when I waste time on God's stuff, it actually like opens me up to be able to hear what he's been saying to me. When I waste time on God's stuff, I just become settled. See, I think this morning, there's this disease that we are all fighting. And we forget that this is a a constant thing we have to fight. And it's busyness. It's distraction. And I think Sabbath is this, like, revolution against busyness. Rest is this revolt. I will not give in to this. I will not let the disease of busyness choke the life out of me. And when I waste my time on God's stuff, it's unproductive, it's inefficient, it doesn't make any sense, it doesn't move me forward, and yet, it frees me from the disease of distraction and busyness. Think about any relationship that matters to you. Have you ever defined that relationship as efficient, productive no and, and when you like you hang out, you're not like, "Well, the purpose of this lunch is to gather more information on each other so we may have more affection for one another." No, <laughs> that's not how relationships work. like you just spend time with each other, and if if you like Accomplish something, cool, but that's not the goal, that's not the purpose. You don't hang out with someone you're like, I would like you to transform my life. (laughs) Like, no, you just just spend time together. And you don't look back, especially relationships you like, whether it's uh, spouse or familial or um, like best, like close friendships, you don't go like, well, this was unproductive, I'm really sorry. (laughs) Like, no, you're just building, you're just doing life together. And so this morning, I think God wants to change our perspective on wasting time on him, on God's stuff. I think he wants us, we're striving, we're doing so much. We're filling our time. And he just wants us to be at his feet. He just wants us to stop. I think, as the worship team's gonna come back up in a minute and, and play, and I know when I'm worshiping, I have a tendency to want to Fill the space with words. Um, And that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with this. But in this moment, what I feel like the Lord would uh, have us do is, sure, sing sing the verses and the chorus and all those things. But in in this space, let's let there be space. Let's waste some time without words on God's stuff. Let's just sit in his presence. Let's not worry. I like worrying because it feels productive. It feels like I'm like actually like putting some brain power towards my problems. But he's like, don't worry. What are you accomplishing? Nothing. Just sit at my feet. Seek me first. I like I got you. Every time I pray, including this morning, I was like, all right, God, I'm gonna preach the sermon. Feel free and change me. <laughs> like Give me a different answer, but every single time I pray about what I'm supposed to do for the future, 100% of the time, including this morning, he was like, don't worry, I got you. Just be with me. Just be with me. So Lord, we come into your presence. We (laughs) don't expect this to be productive or efficient or anything else maximizing, because it's not about that. We come into your presence and we just want to know you. And we thank you that you know us. And you know about the things that we're worried about. You know about our problems. You know about our need for food and uh, a shelter and um, connection and all of the, the things that burden us. And it turns out that if we focus on those things, we lose it. sit at your feet when we waste time with you we just sit in your presence and enjoy each other you actually have that you have our whole life in your hands so Lord right now I want to pray for everyone here there's areas in our life that we, uh, we've given you a lot of things, but there's that one area in my life that I think I can control. So I'm just gonna hold on to that. You can have the rest. God, would you help us to release our grip on that? Lord, we wanna give you our whole heart. We wanna give you our whole life. We wanna give you everything. We don't worry. Today we say no to busyness we put to death distraction. we put to death striving for things that aren't you. And we come to the one who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Reach down in front of you and grab the two cups. We lift up the first cup that represents the bread. God, every time we're distracted, every time we're busy, every time we sin, every time we let our brokenness get the best of us, every time we make a choice that is not you, we harm you. And so we represent that by sticking our finger in that bread as if to crush it. Because your body, Jesus, when you you finally uh, stepped into what you were supposed to be doing, Your body was crushed. And it was crushed for so many reasons, but one of them is because of my sin. One of them is because of my brokenness, my unbelief, my distrust. And I know what that cost you. And so we take this bread knowing that it cost you everything. lift up the second cup that's the juice that represents your blood. And every time I do communion I always think just I just am filled with thankfulness, God. Because we've tried to get back to you. We've tried to sit at your feet and if it weren't for your son we wouldn't have a way. Not really. But because Jesus went came to earth and he lived and he died on a cross his blood was poured out and then three days later he rose again because of that blood we have a way we have access and Lord as tomorrow I'm going to do something wrong tomorrow I'm going to be distracted again tomorrow I'm going to worry this afternoon I'm probably going to worry about something. And every time I worry, God, I just thank you that this blood covers it. Every time we ask for forgiveness, you're just and faithful to forgive. And so we thank you and we take this cup of fat